The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. To find out more about this talk show or other talk shows broadcasting on KUCI, log on to our website at KUCI.org or check out the latest program guide. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine and KUCI.org on the net. Welcome to Prescriptions for Healing Conflict. I'm Lloyd. I'm the show's engineer, and your host is Mari Frank. Mari's been an attorney mediator for 26 years, and during that time, she's resolved thousands of disputes as a neutral conflict healer. She's a member of the Orange County Superior Court Mediation Panel, and she's been a law professor of negotiations and mediation and presently teaches negotiations right here at UCI. She's the author of Negotiations Breakthroughs and co-author of Stepping Stones to Success and several other books. To listen to previous interviews, see upcoming guests, download podcasts, and learn more, visit www.conflicthealing.com. So Mari, what's your show about today? Well, today our show is about resolving and healing conflict in the families, and that is so important since all of us come from families, and it it's really a wonderful book, actually, I have in my hand. It's called Why Don't You Understand? Improve Family Communication with the Four Thinking Styles. And this is by Susie Leonard Weller, and I'm so thrilled to have her join us. She has over 30 years' experience in providing educational services. Now, Susie coaches people on how to increase satisfying relationships both at home and at work. And she has a BA in communications through UC Santa Barbara, a beautiful school, and a master's degree in pastoral ministry through Seattle University in Washington, another beautiful place. And as a certified thinking styles consultant through Herman International, Susie uses the Herman Brain Dominance Instrument, which she's going to tell us about, to help people identify their preferred thinking styles. Also, she assists people in recognizing their dominant style under stress and conflict. She's the author, as I said before, of Why Don't You Understand? Improve Family Communication with the Four Thinking Styles. Susie also balances brain research with practical applications for families and business people. For 10 years, Susie has experience as an adjunct parenting and family success instructor for the Community Colleges of Spokane, Washington, another beautiful place, and as a certified life and spiritual coach through Cindy Wigglesworth, Susie learned from someone that pioneered the very first international validated spiritual assessment. So Susie is known as an internationally known webinar presenter and speaker with clients from Australia all the way to Sweden. So you can learn more about her at Susie Weller, that's S-U-S-I-E-W-E-L-L-E-R.com. And thank you so much for joining us now, Susie. Thank you, Mari. It's a pleasure to be here. Now, I understand that you are offering my listeners a, a special g- gift today, too. Why don't you tell them about that? I'd love to. It's an article I've written that's actually about a 15-page free e-booklet that I'd love to send to your listeners and it's focusing on how to manage 30 tips to manage stress literally from head to toe. And in this, you're going to get excerpts from my book for free, and it has an opportunity to look at brain research and looking at the five states, ranging literally from terrific to terrible, 
and ways we can manage um, our emotional brain so it doesn't hijack us into saying and doing things we later regret, and some very practical tips that are organized by each of the four thinking styles so that we can really be our best selves, both our families and also at work. Okay, so tell me, uh, tell my listeners how they can download this free excerpt. Well, if they contact me at my email, which would be Weller, W-E-L-L-E-R dot Susie, S-U-S-I-E, at gmail.com, if they contact me after the show, I'll be happy to send it to them. Or they can call me, and my phone number is area code 509-255-6676. Wonderful. That is a great gift. And remind me at the end, we'll, we'll mention that again. So first of all, why don't you help us understand what this, um, you know, the Herman International is and what is the brain dominance instrument that you're talking, that we talked about? Well, just so we have a preferred hand that we like to write with, like being right-handed or left-handed, so too do we have a preferred thinking style. And so Ned Herman developed this in the 1980s, and his daughter, Anne Herman Nadee, is now the CEO. They're a company that is international with headquarters in North Carolina. And they're all over the world working with businesses primarily, but also they've given a special promotion for those working in education because they really want to support people using what they call a whole-brained approach to making decisions and how we think and solve problems. So when we look at these four thinking styles, think of it if you were to write like a plus sign, there are four quadrants. And so there's four thinking styles, both left brain and right brain, And also sometimes some people tend to think more intellectually with their head and making decisions that way. And other people prefer to make decisions more with their head or their gut. So we're going to call that the bottom half of the four quadrants. Okay. And so what do you mean by thinking styles? I mean, you just kind of explained it a little bit, but what is that style? How does that come out? How does that work? Well, when we approach any kind of situation people approach it in different ways. And so, for example, in terms of these four thinking styles, in that if you were to, again, draw that plus sign, in the top left quadrant, we would call that the logical way of making decisions. So these are the people who are often very realistic. They want to get to the point. They focus on the bottom line and the facts. They like numbers and precise charts. They're good with numbers and tracking money, and they enjoy technical things and new gadgets. And similar to that, also on that left hemisphere, left brain, would be in the lower left quadrant, we call the practical thinking style. And it's similar because it shares the same hemisphere, but it has a little bit different focus. These are the people, when they're making decisions, want a lot more specific details. They want a very um, specific and sequential approach. So tell me what I need to do, step one, step two, step three. They like tradition and want to preserve the past. They're on time. They like others to be on time. They focus on the task and getting things done and following through. They like things to be neat and tidy. wonder if this sounds like people you know. Right. And then on the right-hand side or the right hemisphere, we have in the top right quadrant, these are what I call the creative or the explorer types. They like to see the big picture. They're idealistic. They imagine possibilities. They're artistic and often like visual metaphors. They're curious and playful, and they often might sometimes take risks or break the rules. And they don't like to be fenced in, like multiple options, and are often entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. And then the bottom right is what we call the relational or the feeling self. 
And these are the people who are more compassionate and sensitive to others. They like to teach and train. They like music and storytelling. They're often good communicators and value personal and spiritual growth. And they express their feelings easily. Now, we have all four of these thinking styles within all of us. But when they've done the research, they find that about 60% of the population can access two of these thinking styles more easily. And about 30% can access three of them. And then the remaining 10%, about uh, 4%, really can do all four very easily, almost like being multilingual. They can switch from one thinking style to another very quickly and easily, uh, depending on the person or the situation they're with. And then we have some people who are perhaps in that uh, 6 to 7% that are truly experts, and they focus really on just one thinking style, and they're expert at it, but sometimes they can struggle because they don't access the other three as easily when they need to. So kind of the ultimate summary here is that we need all four to really function. Think of it as being like two hands and two feet that that helps us move around and get us what we need to do. Certainly if something happened and we can only use, you know, our hands or our legs, we would manage, but not as easily. So the goal here is to be able to access any one of these four thinking styles whenever we need to and to recognize that we do have um, inborn preferences, just like being right-handed or left-handed. You know, I remember learning, Susie, the DISC way of thinking, like the dominant, the influencer, the steady, and the compliant, which are similar Very, very similar idea, which helps me at least when I'm thinking about who I'm negotiating with. If I'm negotiating with somebody who always has to be right, then I have to think of ways in my negotiation to help them to be right and still get everybody else's needs met. So, right, that's exactly right. And in fact, in their training manual, they have a Venn overlapping diagram where they have the Herman Brain Dominance Instrument, which is more physiologically brain-based, and then have the DISC method, which you mentioned in terms of how people behave. And they also have the Myers-Briggs in terms of looking at more an emotional and intuitive repro- uh, approach in terms of psychology. And they absolutely have overlapping kinds of things, but a little bit different emphasis. Right. So why don't you explain how opposite thinking styles really do impact our relationships and conflict? I'd love to. One of the things that I found really important as I was learning this is that the same hemisphere of the brain seems to track and pass information more easily. And between the left brain and the right brain is the corpus callosum, which is the bridge that connects the two hemispheres. Now, women, this is not a put-down about men, but women biologically have about 30% more connectors between these two hemispheres, which means that it's sometimes easier for them biologically to do this multitasking between the two hemispheres. Now, there's advantages and disadvantages to that. Now, when opposites often attract in relationships and later drive each other crazy, And what we find is that the brain does not think as easily when it has to go to its opposite style. Mm -hmm. And actually, Dr. Richard Hare, who's at the University of California at Irvine in your area, Hmm. he did a study in 1988 that was looking at our glucose. And what he said was, I have this quote in my book, is that in contrast to your innate preference, thinking in your non-dominant style requires a 100% more energy to function. Wow. Yeah, I want to repeat that. 
Yes. So when I'm thinking in my natural style, that's where glucose energy for me is just a natural flow. Think of the times of the day where you're not even thinking about it and time goes by because you're just loving what you're doing. Yeah. And then on the days I have to do things in my non-preferred style, especially my opposite style, I'm looking at my watch and I'm saying, oh, my goodness, will this day ever end? It's only 10 o'clock. It should be 4 o'clock. I'm exhausted. I'm getting up. I'm going to the bathroom, getting a snack to eat. I'm just really tired. What's going on? Well, I'm literally having to use a 100% more energy to think in my non-preferred style. So imagine when I'm with a partner or a friend or a family member and we're on the same thinking style, well, we're on the same page, we're just going back and forth, finishing each other's sentences, things are going pretty smoothly. But when I'm speaking with an intimate partner or a family member that has an opposite style, wow, I'm like, what planet are you on? Yeah. It seems so difficult sometimes for us to understand and get on the same page with each other. Right. So when you marry someone who's the opposite, why, why do we do that? Why do we marry someone who's the opposite? So that we can balance or what? Yeah, I really think it is. Between the two of us, we have a whole brain. And that we want to be able to look for balance and complementarity. And I think that oftentimes we look at someone and we recognize when we're dating, you know, the side of ourselves that we haven't developed, perhaps that they've developed more because that's their preference. And we really admire and respect that. And they opposite respect the differences in us. You know, it's kind of like when they've done research, they have found that there is a gender bias and that more men tend to be in the logical quadrant and more women tend to be in the relational quadrant. And yet when they've done cross-cultural studies, there seems to be an equal amount of preference between that more practical and that more playful or explorer style. So to be able just to look at that when we're blending those things, that when we're dating, we appreciate the differences. And then when people get married or move in together, we find that the very differences that used to be so attractive are now just annoying. And we often want that person to think and act like we do. And we get into this campaign of trying to change them rather than appreciate the differences. Right. So what happens when two people who are so alike get married? Don't they also just have a, a big gap? They do. <laughs> and so they have to, even though they might really, you know, get along really easily, uh, we need all four thinking styles to really make balanced whole brain decisions. So it's going to be important for them that they make sure that when they are missing perhaps some um, preferences that are not as strongly identified for them, that when they are making decisions that, you know, one of them at least, or perhaps both of them, are going to do what the Herman International calls a whole brain walk around to solve a problem or to make a decision, just to make sure that one of the quadrants isn't left out. So, for example, if someone was making a decision about going on vacation or making a big um, spending decision, they would want to start in the left-hand quadrant, up in the upper right on the logical, and they would want to start there and gather all the facts and look at the bottom line and the money and can we afford this. And, is this, and they're going to, then they're going to move to the opposite style, which is that relational in the bottom right corner, and they're going to say, hmm, how will these decisions affect us? How will they affect those around us? So we're integrating now both sides of the brain, just like they do in brain gym, integrating both hemispheres. And then we move up to that creative side in that upper right quadrant, and we say, hmm, are there any other options we have not yet considered here? Because sometimes we get stuck on, well, this is a good idea, let's just do it. And perhaps there's other options we have not yet considered that might have an impact. So we don't want to just do your idea, my idea. Is there a third or a fourth idea that we also need to consider? So we want to look at the logical 
and then we want to look at the relational, and then we want to look at the practical, and then we want to look at the creative, the fun part. Yes. And when we do that creative, when we are brainstorming those possibilities, it's not enough to talk about it. Eventually, we've got to make a decision, and that's when we move from the creative back down to the practical, which is on that lower left-hand side, and we we choose one of the options and make a decision. Now, think of it as like an infinity symbol. Once I make a decision, I get new facts. And that moves me back up to the logical. So if you were to kind of do your finger in the air, you'll notice that when you trace these going from left to right and then up again and down, that you create an infinity symbol because we're always getting new information that shapes new decisions. So it's an ongoing process, but it's one that we consider whole-brained because it's it's valuing all four quadrants and thinking styles of what they have to offer to the decision. Right, right. So, you know, I, I have two kids, and they're they're older now. Thank goodness they're through with college and all that. But one is much more like me than the other, you know. And so I have learned over the years how to really, um, you know, step back and allow both of them to be who they are without any discomfort. But what about these problems with teenage kids? And what what about that kind of thinking? How can you get your teens to start thinking like that? Well, obviously, I think it's the parents because we want to believe that we're older, wiser, have had more experience, that our job really is to be the more flexible, whole-brained teacher and guide for our young people, and that we want to be able to shift our thinking style to speak in their style first. Mm-hmm. So, for example, in my own family, I have adult children, too, and one's graduated and is a nurse now, another one's finishing up college in the next two quarters. And I've learned that when they were younger, particular, but even as young adults, that when I'm in, in a stuck place with them, I need to shift gears and to see it from their point of view or their thinking style and approach it there first, mm-hmm. rather than get louder in my preferred style. And what happens, if I get louder my preferred style with with my kids or my husband, what I notice is that instead of coming together and seeing what we have in common to resolve this, is that it pushes each other's buttons, and we tend to polarize and become more extreme in our preferred style and neglect, we create a larger gap between us. And so I want to learn to shift gears on a dime to be able to speak in their preferred way. Right, and we don't want this to be something that's very false or fakey either. It's just a matter of understanding their their view and looking at if they're more logical, then you have to use more logical words. But that yeah. doesn't mean that you're, you're being fakey. Because I think some people, sometimes when you tell them, for me, when I'm telling people how to negotiate with people of different styles, they say, well, I'm not going to be able to change who I am. And I say, no, you don't have to change who you are, but you can speak in a way that the other people can hear you better. And that's all what it's about, Mari, is it's, a, for me, a sign of respect. That if I want people to hear me, one, I need to hear them. And that means that I want to speak in ways that they get. So just as if I was speaking to someone where English is not their dominant language, speaking louder in English is not going to help them get it. <laughs> right. So I need to be able to figure out ways that I can communicate in a way that's understandable for them. And part of it, too, is I, you know, I, I love your analogies and acronyms that you've used in terms of your hard-loving strategies and your powers and winnable <laughs> negotiation strategies. 
and I've developed a few acronyms as well. And one of them is called um, Q-tip, meaning... Like Q, like the Q, and then T-I-P? Like Q-T-I-P. Okay. Is quit taking it personally. Uh Uh-huh. And that when someone is thinking and speaking or acting from a different perspective or different thinking style than I am, my goal is how can I quit taking it personal that they're against me or they don't like me or they don't see it my point of view, but to say, oh, that's another perspective, like a kaleidoscope. I'm just shifting another way of viewing this picture. And how can I spend a moment to really listen to understand their point of view rather than trying to convince them that my one is the better one? I don't want to, I want to use two ears because I have two. I want to listen twice as much as I speak to listen to understand. And part of that is letting go of not taking differences personally. Right. Now, it seems to me that when we're relaxed, it's easier to get along with everybody. But what about those people at work when you're really under stress? How does stress affect the brain and the thinking waves? Well, as you know, Mari, stress under stress, the brain regresses. And the brain has different layers. And basically, our survival layer is the one that protects and defends. And when under stress, that's the one that takes over. And we have the emotional layer of the brain that kind of is this gatekeeper that decides if we're safe or if we're stressed. And that's the gatekeeper that decides if we're going to be able to access all four thinking styles, which is in our more higher, creative, complex thinking brain. So what I notice is that when I am really stressed, I am more apt to do and say things I would really regret later on. You know what they say? They say, speak when you're angry and you'll make the best speech you ever regret. (laughs) I think that's true. And I think you've got a quote in some of your work, too, about just the importance of really watching our words so that we don't say things we regret down the road. Right. One of the things that I'll be giving in my free gift is looking at Laurel Mellon's work, and she's out of the University of San Francisco, and she's done some things which she calls emotional brain training where she talks about how to rewire our emotional brain's response to, direct, to stress with joy. And part of that for me, as you mentioned, is for me to access those four thinking styles, to be able to shift on a dime to whatever one is needed most in that situation, really requires me to be in a more calm-centered place. And it's more difficult to get there when I'm stressed. So one of the first suggestions is to do a breathing kind of check-in at the moment you know, noticing my body signals, am I calm or am I really kind of tense and paying attention to that because that's going to give me information about is this the time and place to say something or to say to someone, like I had to say to my daughter or my son or my husband, you know what, I'm overwhelmed right now. I want to continue the conversation, but I need to take a break now for 15 minutes or an hour, whatever it is, and I set the timer and I will get back to you and finish this conversation, but I'm flooded right now, and I need to take a break. Right. And for me, that's when I'm overwhelmed, the, I, I'm not going to be my best self. It's better just to say it up front and then follow through on it when I set the timer to check in and say, okay, I, I'm better place, or you know what, I need another 15 minutes or whatever it is because I really want to hear you, and I want to be in a better place to do that. And you know, Susie, it's so important to say it like that. I really want to hear you, but I need to take a break because sometimes... I've seen people that don't want to let you go. You know, they don't want to stop. They say, no, we have to talk about this right now. You know, especially teenagers might do that. 
And so I think it's really important that you stay calm and say, let's talk about this later. And I promise I will get back to you and tell them when, whether it's 15 minutes or 20 minutes or even five minutes just to take that that break. Well, we're almost about out of time. So I wanted you to please tell us about that free offer again. Sure. It's called Managing Your Stress from Head to Toe, 30 Whole Brain Tips. And it's going to include the information that I mentioned about from Laurel Mellon's work about wire, rewire, re, excuse me, rewiring your emotional brain under stress. It's also going to give you um, ideas physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually from all four thinking styles about what you can do under stress to be able to manage it more successfully so that you can enjoy your relationships both at home and at work. And if you contact me either by email or by phone number, I'll be happy to give it to you. Okay, so we are going to give your email again. It's weller.susie, that's S-U-S-I-E, at gmail.com. And you can also get this wonderful book called Why Don't You Understand? Improve Family Communication with the Four Thinking Styles. It's really a great book. And I, I, what I really like about this is you've got these, using what you've learned and some resources, a lot of really great things in there. So we thank you, Susie. And just give your website... Yes, my website is www.susieweller.com, S-U-S-I-E, Weller, W-E-L-L-E-R.com, and you can also download some free excerpts from my book from my website as well. Okay, well, we will be having you back again to see all the exciting things that you're doing. Keep up that wonderful work, Susie. We really appreciate you coming on. Thank you, Mari, for the opportunity to be with your listeners. Okay. You've been listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine and KUCI.org on the net. I'm Mari Frank. Join us every Monday morning at 8.30 a.m. for Prescriptions for Healing Conflict. And go to our website at conflicthealing.com where you can download podcasts. You can listen to archived interviews. You can see our upcoming guests see their bios and also go to their websites and you can find out more about how you can resolve conflict in a much more peaceful and civil way and write us emails about what's important to you about transforming adversity into opportunity in your own life. So thank you for joining us and we will see you next Monday at 8.30 a.m. right here on KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine and KUCI.org on the net. Thanks. It's about trust in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents.